Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Quick email from Wilson in Concord. DG, I get why the Ryder Cup is more popular than the President's Cup. But like you, I'm a fan of match play, and I can't figure out why the Ryder Cup gets record ratings. And even some of my golf buddies don't care all that much about the President's Cup. As we welcome your calls on the questions of the day, I will answer that question from Wilson in Charlotte. I'm excited about the President's Cup, but I think I know the answer to your question and why not as many others are. The Ryder Cup has become phenomenal drama and unpredictable, and the Americans used to always win it, and now the Europeans have won it a lot more than the Americans. And was it on American soil, and you're going to get it back rather than one side winning all the time? And the fans are into it, and the players are into it, et cetera. To me, it is the best the golf world has to offer, the Ryder Cup. And along with the Masters and, you know, the U.S. Open and the other majors, I think the President's Cup, because it's team golf, because you are representing your country if you're a member of Team USA, because it's kind of us against the world, the non-Europeans, if you will, I still have the President's Cup like somewhere in my personal top ten. But I might be a little bit weird along those lines. As we welcome more of your calls, the questions of the day include this, college football fans, what makes a job a great job or a top 25 job? Eli Drinkwitz said App State was a top 25 job in all of college football, but he left it after less than one year for Missouri of the SEC, and nobody thinks that's a top 25 job either. Do we even have a top 25 college football job in a state where Duke and Carolina are among the best college basketball jobs, but... In football, frankly, our best job may not be in the top 25. NBA question of the day. If you're a Toronto Raptors fan, of course you're excited that the guys get their rings tonight. Maybe a little complicated for you that Kawhi Leonard accepts his ring while wearing an L.A. Clippers uniform. Do you feel all warm and fuzzy for Kawhi's homecoming because in his one and only season there, he led you to that title as the most important piece of the Raptors puzzle? Or is it a little bit of conflicted feelings because when he had the chance to leave after only one season in Toronto, he did take that exit door and signed with the Clippers instead. You can jump in. If you were a Raptors fan, how would you handle the return of Kawhi Leonard tonight, his homecoming, if you will? 1-800-849-2761. And the creativity juices are really flowing on the holiday question of the day. If you could give any gift to any coach, athlete, school, franchise, or other sports figure, college or pro, what would that gift be and why? We have a healthy foot for Cam Newton, a better NFL head coaching job for Ron Rivera, really good lawyers for the NC State Athletic Department as they continue their case with the NCAA, a three-point shooter for UNC's Roy Williams, a muffler for Dick Vitale. You can jump in with your what holiday gift would you give to that sports figure this holiday season? Two weeks left to shop. You can chime in with your serious, funny, sarcastic, goofy, or perhaps thought-provoking answer at 1-800-849-2761. I think most of the reason for why the President's Cup is sort of dwarfed by the Ryder Cup is mostly obvious. We all like drama, right? We all like unpredictability. When we know Team A is going to beat Team B in any sport, if you really think it's just going to be a, a lopsided event, you might tune in at the beginning to see if you were right about it or not, but you're probably tuning out entirely or jumping out the side door if it, as expected, is that lopsided. There have been 12 President's Cups contested. Only one has been 
won by the international team. So it's 10 wins for the Americans, one tie, one win for the internationals. So I, I might even put it I might even put the lack of unpredictability second on the list. Number one is probably what attracts us to big NBA games. I mean, you might have a favorite team, but if if your favorite team is not playing, what attracts you? It starts with big well-known, recognizable stars, right? You're tuning in for LeBron or for Steph or the Splash Brothers during the Warriors run or whatever other combination, you know, Tim Duncan and the Spurs. You might like the team, but you're you're following superstars. As we come to more of your calls, 1-800-849-2761 on those questions of the day. President's Cup, again, it starts tonight in Australia. Don't forget, our Wednesday night equals their Thursday morning. So when you hear round one on Thursday morning in Australia, that means you're watching tonight on the Golf Channel here in the East Co- on the East Coast of the United States. If lack of drama and unpredictability is number two, again, the Ryder Cup offers a lot of that. The President's Cup, very little, given the Americans dominating the internationals. Number one may be star power. Now, Tiger Woods is a playing captain for Team USA, and he's healthy again, and he played well at times in the Bahamas, and he won twice, remember, last year, including that 15th major and another green jacket. But if you thought international golf stars, as we come to Mark and Carborough and you, 1-800-849-2761, author Bethany Bradshaw joining us later this hour with holiday gift ideas in mind, perhaps. If you thought international golf stars, remember, Ryder Cup is USA versus Europe. President's Cup, underway tonight, is USA versus the rest of the world. Think of an international golf star who's not an American. And actually, sadly, Brooks Kepka, who's kind of been on top of the world, he's not healthy. So even he won't be there bolstering the star power of Team USA. Now, you still get Tiger. No Phil, by the way. Phil's been in, like, every Ryder Cup and President's Cup forever. He's watching from his couch. He actually tweeted a photo of himself wearing a red, white, and blue uniform with Golf Channel TV screens all over his man cave. I I might think of Rory McIlroy first. Star in the Ryder Cup, not eligible for the President's Cup. He's from Europe. John Rahm, fantastic international golfer. I think he's becoming a bigger name, right? Golf fans, of course, know him, but casual fans, John Rahm on your radar, Darren, representing our yeah, statewide not, audience? Not, not. Rory's a superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not to the level that, that a guy like Rory would be. I know John Rahm's name. Hey, I don't know a, much. Rahm's about. a top five golfer in the world, but he's from Spain. So that makes him eligible for the Ryder Cup, hence the difficult competition that the Europeans have provided for our Americans lately. We dominated for decades. That pendulum swung the other way in favor of the Europeans for a while, and it's in part because of great golfers like Rory McIlroy, John Rahm of Spain, Justin Rose of the United Kingdom, Tommy Fleetwood of the U.K., Francesco Molinari of Italy, Paul Casey of the U.K. These are all top 25 golfers in the world, which one are they eligible for? The Ryder Cup or the President's Cup? Every guy I just mentioned internationally is eligible for the Ryder Cup. Again, hence the close mas- matches, unpredictability, drama, not sure who's going to win. None of those guys is eligible for the President's Cup. So you do have 
Justin Thomas, world top five. Dustin Johnson, world top five. Tiger Woods, who's not only a big name, he's back in the world top ten. I think he's number six right now. You have Webb Simpson of our backyard. You have Captain America, Patrick Reed. You have the up-and-coming but eccentric Bryson DeChambeau. I think the casual golf fans know most of those names, right? Uh, the more intense golf fans know every American on that list. Tony Finau, Gary, Gary Woodland, and all the rest. Patrick Cantlay is one of the newcomers. Plenty of star power on Team USA in both the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. But how many casual golf fans know? I mean, I guess Hideki, not, you tell me, Darren. Hideki Matsuyama from Japan. Would that be Europe? Geography test today? No, not Europe. So he's eligible for the President's Cup, right? Yeah. Uh, would you have any idea who Abraham Answer is? Not at all. Okay, he's from Mexico, and it's the first time Mexico has ever put a golfer into the President's Cup. So it's kind of an anomaly, perhaps interesting, perhaps not. But you get the idea. I mean, you know who Adam Scott is? Yeah. He's a top 25 golfer in the world. He happens to be from Australia, so he's on his home turf. The, uh, by the way, in 12 previous President's Cups, the only European win, I mean, uh, the only international win, I should say, was in Australia. And that's where tonight's event is. So who knows? Maybe it'll be more competitive than it usually is. So you know Adam Scott. You know Hideki Matsuyama. Do you know Louis Oosthuizen? Yeah. He's been oh, a major sure. winner. Yep. He's from South Africa. Again, not in Europe. So, I, so you qualify for the international <laughs> team. Again, you're, you either qualify for the Ryder Cup or the based on where you're from, you're either a President's Cup candidate or a Ryder Cup candidate, but not both. Americans play in both because it's USA versus Europe or USA versus the world. But I don't think most people know who Abraham Answer is. I don't think, whereas most Americans will, casual American golf fans know almost everybody on Team USA, I'm telling you, I could give you probably six to eight of the 12 names on the international team, and you, Darren, as somebody who's paid to follow sports, you, you might just shake your head or roll your eyes in confusion. You want a couple more tries? Do you know who C.T. Pan is? No. No. Abraham, answer, you said no. Do you know who Ben On is? No, I don't think Ever that's heard of Adam Hadwin? He's from, he's from Canada. No. Again, Mexico and Canada, not in Europe, which right. makes those guys eligible right. for the international team in the President's Cup. You get the idea. You would know 9, 10, or more of the 12 American golfers. Yeah. You would know Hideki Matsuyama, Adam Scott, Louis Oosthuizen, and I'm not sure if you would know any of the others. And that's not a criticism of you, by the no, way. It's, it's just, just you like, do you like my pecking order? Fewer big names, Ryder Cup versus President's Cup. Less drama and unpredictability would get my silver medal. And then I don't know if it's the bronze, but the time difference doesn't help. Like Europe versus yeah. us is what, five or six hour difference, depending on where you are in Europe? You know, you can plan around that. It's, I think it's like, it's already Thursday in Australia yeah, it's right tomorrow. now. Right? It's, it's tomorrow, right? It's tomorrow. Hence, tonight on TV, it's Wednesday. On Wednesday night in the East Coast of the United States, the Thursday matches at the President's Cup will be televised. It takes a little process, even during the holiday season, maybe especially during the holiday season. Mark is in Carborough, and next on the David Glenn Show, go right ahead. Hey, thanks a lot. Sure, man. What's uh, on your mind? The gift I would love for fans to get fans of the recipient of this gift. Okay. 
a sports culture where college and pro players stay loyal to their team throughout their careers. Oh, man, you're getting deep and philosophical on us now. All right. Exa- I was a philosophy major. Yeah, <laughs> it does not surprise me at all. Probably very successful in life. Do you incorporate your philosophy major into your line of work, Mark? Absolutely, man. That's good to hear. Uh, are you a Are you a philosopher? Are you like Plato? Are you Socrates? Are you the Mark and Carborough equivalent of such all time greats? I'll let others I'll let others be the judge of that. But <laughs> think about this, and I, I want I want to ask you this question: What do you think would be the cultural ramifications of a sports culture like that? More broadly, you know, think about this: like Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons, they had to fight to get over the Celtics. They weren't talking about getting trades or teaming up. Then the the Bulls. They had to fight. Jordan stayed at the Bulls for seven years before they could get over the Pistons, and this just created so much drama and triumph in those careers. Yeah, you know, I mean, you as a philosopher would already know that I think the biggest motivation for athletes as we've gone from more loyalty, I grew up in a world where my favorite baseball players mostly stayed with their own team. And this was after free agency and after Kurt Flood and all those trailblazers. It's not like it wasn't allowed. It just didn't happen nearly as often. And, of course, Mark is right to say that nowadays more guys are chasing the almighty dollar in more cases, and there's just less loyalty. It's not zero, but there's just less loyalty to your franchise than there once was. I think the bottom line is that guys came to better appreciate, A, the smaller their window of their career is infinitely smaller than the window to make money of the owner of their team. And, and you know, are you being selfish for realizing that and making decisions based on that? I wouldn't want to use the word selfish there, right? Hey, you, Mr. Billionaire, nowadays we call them the millionaire players versus the billionaire with the B owners. And hey, Mr. Billionaire or Mrs. Billionaire, if you pay me a little better, I'm more willing to be loyal. But in some of these sports, it's very violent, so your career window is short. Even the windows that are larger are not. You could be an owner from your 30s into your 90s, right? There are no sports where your window of opportunity to make money as the athlete is nearly that long. And I think for a while, so many owners exploited so many athletes that your philosophical tilt in favor of loyalty, which I'm not against, you know, was kind of counteracted by, you know, NFL owners denying the violent nature of their game and denying connections to CTE and other brain diseases and playing sort of the ridiculous, dishonest tobacco industry game where the science was there forever, but you had to lie through your teeth because of, you know, greedy, selfish reasons. I think there's a, there was a lot of that from some of the pro sports leagues and some of those owners and that's going to push the loyalty factor down, right? And that's going to put push up the I got to grab my money for my family while I can because I'm not sure I can trust the person who's signing my paycheck. So the idealist in me sees things the way the Mark and Carborough philosopher king sees things. The realist in me uh, is advising athletes to be careful how much they trust their owners and advising those athletes to make sure that they, uh, you know, if possible, make some multi-generational wealth. And if that means staying, great. You get the double whammy of loyalty and big dollars. If you're not being treated fairly, and that's a tricky word, but if you're not being treated fairly nowadays and, and for decades now, 
I'm not hammering the guy who chooses to leave. Are you with me? Is there a realist in there with your idealist? Oh, absolutely. I'm seeing a solution. I think maybe we just uh, we get philosopher kings as owners. <laughs> I like it. All right, see, so Jimmy Buffett owns the Miami franchise. I'll take Carolina if that's okay with Mark and Carborough. We'll give him a secondary destination. 1-800-849-2761. Hutch is in Wilmington and has both a holiday gift idea and college basketball on his mind. Welcome to the program. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Happy holidays hey, to you. Ha- yeah, happy holidays to you all down there. Uh, uh, I was blessed to go to – I got two. I got a two-part one. I was blessed to go to Fort Keener Military Academy from 79 to 87. Oh, you've got to be with us in 15 minutes, man. We've got oh, – Oh, absolutely. All right. Bethany Bradshaw wrote the book. Awesome. Go ahead. Absolutely. And I want to wish Coach Schumann, the athletic director, and who was my algebra teacher, and she's going to talk about Fletcher Aaron, and yep. he was my biology teacher. Cool. Uh, you know, I, I was there when Benny Testaverde was there. But I'll tell you what, though. I was starting tailback on the high school team. Then it was Gary Steele, who started at UVA and was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when they lost 24-22, and he was upside down on his head. That was a 14-year grad. <laughs> wow. And then it went to Sam Robinson of Virginia Tech, and then there was a kid named Eddie George. And yeah, so, yeah. Yes, sir. He was on the high school team. I've heard Eddie George turned out well after his Fork Union days. I think he's doing all <laughs> around Broadway or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and so and then I went from there to Campbell University, which I was very blessed to do that as well. And uh, if I would have gone to an ECU or something, I'd have got lost going from Fork Union, you know, one subject plan to going to there. So, so do you so have a I, holiday gift for the Campbell Camels? I do, sir. I do. That wrestling program, coach down there has got them going awesome direction. And I wish Coach McKeon would get a would get a championship down there for us. Chris almost brought it to us. Yeah. But I tell you, he just didn't. But you know, we really fight hard and we appreciate everything that comes our way. Hey, and you gotta love what Chris Clemens, formerly of Millbrook High School in Raleigh, former of formerly of the Campbell Camels in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, one of the greatest scorers in the history of Division One men's basketball. I mean, a lot of folks just didn't think the NBA was going to be in the cards for a guy who's 5'9", regardless of how much he dominated college basketball. He's not only on the Houston Rockets, he's playing for the Houston Rockets and in some games putting up some big numbers. Yes, sir, he is. And also, with that said, uh, I think James Harden said it best. We, they kind of tried to get rid of him, and they couldn't. Every day he came yeah. to practice, he got better and better and what better. What a great story. He wouldn't go away. How he about was not going away. How about Hutch from Fork Union Military Academy? That's outstanding, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for contributing. And thanks for hanging in there. Bethany Bradshaw will join us shortly. She's the author of Body, Mind, Spirit, and Basketball. If you're a sports fan at some point, you had to have either seen in great detail, like the Eddie George story, Fork Union Military Academy sports success stories. The basketball program was run forever by Fletcher Errett. The book is called Body, Mind, Spirit, and Basketball, How Fletcher Errett and Fork Union Military Academy Turned Hundreds of Boys into Men. We should start sending our interns there. Are they too old for that? Maybe just a little bit. Uh, By the way, he's not dreaming about a Big South title for the Campbell Camels. Darren, you are the voice of High Point basketball under the legendary Tubby Smith. So we're going to have to push the Panthers off to the side. You have to leave the room when we talk about High Point, (laughs) right? Because you're officially on the payroll. True. But if we made a list in our state, 
and I forget off the top of my head the number of Division One programs we have, but it's a lot in men's basketball. Campbell would be on the list this season, I mean, after Chris Clemens, of having a shot at a conference title. So, of course, we're going to put Duke as an ACC contender on that list. You want to put State or Carolina, but I don't know if either one is good enough to make a run at a title, uh, conference title this year. UNC Greensboro in the Southern Conference under Wes Miller, legit candidate to win a conference title. Our friend Lavelle Moten at NC Central, maybe A&T as well, candidates for the MEAC title. And then in the Big South, man, if you told me Campbell, if you told me Gardner-Webb, if you told me UNC Asheville, I'm not laughing at any of those three possibilities. So what is that? I just gave you six schools. I think those three Big South, maybe I gave you seven. Those three Big South schools are, are candidates to whatever you want to call it, either finish in first place or win the conference title, which goes to the tournament champion. But he's not crazy. It's not like he's calling and saying that, you know, a last-place team, he, he wants to be the holiday gift idea, that the conference championship. Maybe Kevin McGeehan gets his title at Campbell. Uh, maybe Tim Kraft follows up on a great year last year at Gardner-Webb with another great year this year. Maybe it is Lavelle Moten. Maybe it is Mike Krzyzewski. Maybe it is Wes Miller. Davidson's not off to a great start, but they usually do contend in the Atlantic 10, so that's one more to add to the list. Bethany Bradshaw has another book out. She joins us live in less than 10 minutes. Your calls are welcome as well on the questions and headlines of the day, 1-800-849-2761. Did you know that a college basketball player with a familiar last name scored 100 points in a game last night? And did you know that Russian boxers are threatening to boycott the next Olympics if the four-year ban that that nation, lion, cheat, and Russia was given recently in the international sports world is not overturned, should we listen to their complaints? My answer with those headlines next. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. I'm not sure I have it in me right now, Darren, to get into the Russian boxers are threatening to boycott the next Summer Olympics if the four-year international sports ban on lion cheating caught with their hands in the doping jar Russia doesn't have that four-year ban overturned. I'm not sure I have it in me, man. Not sure if I can handle any more nonsense from anything related to Russia. For now, I'll get to it eventually. But last night, the other thing I promised, and then we'll get to author Bethany Bradshaw, who has literally written the book on Fork Union Military Academy, perhaps a holiday stocking stuffer idea among the many authors we have on this program, Bob Ryan and Jackie McMullen and John Feinstein, and we even had John Grisham, legal thriller expert who occasionally dabbles in sports headlines, our great honor to have John Grisham on. John Feinstein joins regularly. Bob Ryan. Rick Riley with his fantastic Commander-in-Cheat golf book from earlier this year was a really good guest. 
Mitch Album, Jackie McMullen, Mike Lupica, Jeff Perlman, and many, many others. Bethany Bradshaw, our friend Art Chansky, another in-state author on that list as well. Holiday gift ideas teeming left and right everywhere you look here at the David Glenn Show. The other headline I mentioned, a college basketball player with a familiar last name last night scored 100 points in a regulation basketball game. Have you ever heard of this threshold? Is there a name that comes to mind at any level? Because for me, the first name is Wilt Chamberlain. There is a famous photo of him holding up. This is before I was even born, but I was a Sixers fan. He played part of his pro career with the Philadelphia Warriors of the NBA. Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in an NBA game. To this moment, he is the only person who can say that at the NBA level. He reached 100 for the Warriors against the New York Knicks back in 1962. And there's this famous photo. It's just, you know, it's like a placard with the number 100 on it. And Wilt the Stilt is, has that big grin on his face and just scored 100 points. No matter how much you're funneling the ball to the hot hand, it is really hard to score 100 points at any level in any sport. If you remember the name Jarrett Culver, he is now a Minnesota Timberwolves rookie in the NBA. He was part of last year's March Madness, right? The best player on that Texas Tech Red Raiders team that made the long run. I had no idea that Jared Culver had a younger brother. If he was an NCAA player at a prominent school, I probably would have known about him. But J.J. Culver, for whatever reason, I'm not sure, decided to go the NAIA route. If you're not familiar, if you're a fan or observer of college sports to any degree, 99.99% of anything you've ever read or heard has to do with the NCAA, one governing body. That tiny fraction, whether you know it or not, may have to do with the NAIA, occasionally, you know, junior college or something else. But J.J. Culver plays for a school called Wayland Baptist. And last night he had a performance for the ages. Turns out he's the second player in NAIA history to score at least 100 points in a game. He's a six foot five collegiate senior from Lubbock, Texas. He reached the magical 100 mark exactly in leading his pioneers to a 124-60 route of Southwestern Adventist in Plainville, Plainview, Texas. Darren, in my entire middle school basketball career, I did not have 62 field goal attempts. Last night. <laughs> J.J. Culver, St. Simon and Jude, for the record, in Westchester, Pennsylvania, was loaded. Loaded, Darren. I mean, we had Mike O'Malley and Tony Farr. We had a guy whose nickname was Squirrel. He started as well. The starting point guard for those guys later was a guy named Pickle. I kid you not. You can't make these things up. So I was buried on the bench, despite being, I'm sure, a diamond in the rough as a six-foot-tall power forward at the middle school level. I wasn't even six-foot-tall yet at that point. Anyway, no no 62 career field goal attempts for me. I know that. J.J. Culver was 34 for 62 from the field, and underlying the feed the hot hand theory, he got 33 attempts from three-point range despite making only 12. Like, at some point, somebody whispered, hey, let's get to 100 because that's only happened one time in NAIA history. If you're only 12 for 33 from three-point range, Darren, 
I'm pretty sure you don't have the automatic green light when you get off the bus at your next stop on the road trip. He was 20 for 27 from the free throw line. The rest of J.J. Culver's teammates combined were only 8 of 15 from the field. He had 62 field goal attempts. They collectively, collectively had 15 field goal attempts. The second highest scorer on the team had 8 points to J.J. Culver's 100. He is photographed with a 100 placard as well. He is standing next to his coach, Ty Harrelson of Wayland Baptist, who is wearing about as ugly a Christmas sweater as you'll ever find. One more reason to remember, an unforgettable 100-point night. You ever heard the name Bevo Francis? Kind of, sort of famous. He is the only other player in NAIA history who had a game of 100 or more points scoring. In NCAA Division I men's basketball, there has been only one such game. Frank Selvi of Furman scored 100 points way back before I was born in the 1954 season against Newbury. There are other examples as well at the Division Three level and elsewhere, but it's still only Will Chamberlain at the NBA level, and J.J. Culver now becomes one of two at the NAIA level. Last night, among the off-the-beaten-path headlines in the sports world, Bethany Bradshaw is on the beaten path. She is an author of note based here in the great state of North Carolina. Her newest book is called Body, Mind, Spirit, and Basketball, how Fletcher Errett and Fork Union Military Academy turned hundreds of men, of boys, into men. Eddie George played football there. Bethany Bradshaw was asked to write the book on the basketball side. She joins us next on The David Glenn Show. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. Been? I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is The David Glenn Show. show when I was a young sports writer covering recruiting but also college and professional sports on the recruiting trail I would read Fork Union Military Academy a lot rising stars and then I would cover the ACC or other collegiate programs and on signing day I would see this guy from Fork Union Military Academy that guy from Fork Union Military Academy the legendary running back Eddie George of Ohio State and NFL fame from Fork Union Military Academy. The list on the basketball side is longer than I can think of, and I'm happy that our next guest decided to chronicle the success of that program in hoops. The book is called Body, Mind, Spirit, and Basketball, How Fletcher Errett and Fork Union Military Academy Turned Hundreds of Boys into Men. You can learn more about it at the ForkUnion.com website or learn more about it by listening right now. Bethany Bradshaw. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Before we dive into the basketball-specific part of this story, uh, how many octopus-like tentacles are there from Fork Union Military Academy in the sports world? Because I know a whole lot of people send their children there for non-sports-related reasons, but it feels like for decades at this point, I see their products all over the college and professional ranks of sports. 
you're absolutely right. Especially football and basketball. They've had two Heisman Trophy winners on the football side, Benny Testaverde and you mentioned Eddie George. And then basketball, you know, six or seven in the NBA, six under the coach that I wrote about, and more than 200 Division One players. So they're, what I've learned through the research as I've talked to so many former players is you kind of have the stereotype that, that young men would go there or to get their academics up or in some cases maybe for behavioral reasons, but there's so many who actually went there because they just wanted to shore up their basketball skills because Fletcher Errett had the reputation of taking maybe a mid-major, mid-level prospect, maybe even a Division II prospect, and getting them to the point where there were Division I coaches knocking on their door. So over and over you meet kids who they could have gone somewhere, but they wanted to go somewhere better, and so they spent a year at Fork Union to help make that possible. One chapter of your book is called Life Lessons Are More Important Than Basketball Lessons. You know me well enough to know that uh, that is something we try to make a theme of our show. How did Fletcher Errett become about life lessons even more than basketball lessons as he was building this basketball dynasty? Well, I think all that you need to say is he spent 42 years in that program, and he could have gone almost anywhere. Um, you know, in the course of this research, I interviewed Roy Williams, Rick Barnes, Leonard Hamilton, Dave Odom. Fletcher has the utmost respect from coaches of that caliber, and he had many opportunities to go to a Division One assistant coaching position because he was so highly respected. But he stayed at Fork Union because it allowed him to run things the way he wanted to run them. And that title, Body, Mind, Spirit, and Basketball, Body, Mind, and Spirit are the three pillars of Fork Union. So he really lived into those. He was very disciplined. Um, loved the faith-based element of the school, that he was able to read the Bible every day. He was also a biology teacher. He always said he was just a biology teacher who happened to coach basketball, coach biology seven hours a day for 42 years, or 45. He coached biology longer than he coached basketball. And so his, his principles just were completely aligned with those of the school, and he never wanted to go anywhere where that could be compromised. And one example that I just find so fascinating is in the early 70s, he started making sure that every black player roomed with a white player, and that was always his model. He always made sure, and I'm talking about for the whole year, so yeah. where, you know, remember the Titans, that, that was a true story where that was happening kind of when they went away to camp right. around the same time in the early 70s. But he did the same thing, and he did it for the whole year. And there's so many stories of, these players I talked to who were changed because of rooming that way and learning from somebody who was different from them. Uh, so he just, he didn't put up with undisciplined play on the court or, you know, if somebody broke the rules, they were punished no matter who they were and who was coming to see him play. Bethany Bradshaw is joining us. She actually has a book signing with Coach Fletcher Errett this Friday at 6 p.m. That is at Fork Union. And, Bethany, you can certainly add if you have other events in our statewide area uh, where folks can find the book or, or uh, get an opportunity to meet you and or coach as well. You mentioned there are no superstars as a theme. R remind us of some of the more big names, you know, Eddie George, Vinny Testaverde on the football side, more of the big names on the basketball side. And then how did Coach Fletcher Errett reinforce the there are no superstars philosophy when in many of these cases, I mean, these dudes were going on to big time college careers and in some cases the NBA. Absolutely. So on the NBA side, you've got Melvin Turpin, who played for Kentucky, Kenny Williams, who actually was recruited by North Carolina, but didn't end up playing there because of academic reasons, but he went on to an NBA career. 
Chris Washburn, who NC State fans obviously know well, played at Fort Canyon. Right. Shimon Williams. Shimon's a great example of someone who went there and he was not highly recruited at all. I mean, his right. fortunes turned completely because of his year at Fork Union. It changed everything for him. And But I think There Are No Superstars really speaks to stories like Sidney Johnson's, who played for Princeton and coached both at Princeton and Fairfield. And he tells a story about Stanford was coming all the way across the country to little rural Fork Union, Virginia, to recruit him, and he had broken a rule. He was really just mouthing off in the barracks, and he got written up, just as one does, when one is a teenage boy, and he went in to speak to Coach Eret and thought, surely he'll postpone my punishment until after Stanford comes. And no, sir, that didn't happen. He sat out as the Stanford coaches came to watch him, and clearly he didn't get an offer from Stanford. He went to Princeton, so things worked out okay. But that's a great example of the way he treated his players. He didn't care who was coming. He was going to enforce the rules and and make sure that they left there as men who understood discipline and standards and could, you know, be husbands and fathers and business people and all those things that would come after basketball had passed by. Bethany Bradshaw is joining us. The new book is called Body, Mind, Spirit, and Basketball, How Fletcher Errett and Fork Union Military Academy Turned Hundreds of Boys into Men. Go to ForkUnion.com, and you'll see all sorts of links and references to this new book. Bethany Bradshaw is our guest here on The David Glenn Show. When I think of instilling discipline and some of these other uh, important things, commitment to fundamentals, uh, striving for excellence, Occasionally, you get an abusive Bob Knight personality, uh, and yet they're successful. Uh, but Fletcher Errett somehow managed to balance love with the tougher love, right? I mean, wh- how did he make yeah. that softer side work when he was demanding a lot of young guys in an environment? And I have visited Fork Union Military Academy. There, there's not <laughs> a lot of, like uh, – warm and fuzzy soft feelings overall i mean it's it's a lot of discipline but he figured out a way to blend love in with discipline and that just doesn't sound easy no it doesn't those are some of my favorite stories and some of them involve some of the the foreign the international players who came constantine popa who was a seven footer yeah i think he was seven two actually and he played for leonard hamilton at miami and before that leonard hamilton wanted him to go to kind of learn some English. He came from Romania when it was a communist country, and he didn't know how to speak English. He had a injured collarbone. I mean, he was pitiful. He was way underweight, just had a really rough time. And both Fletcher and his wife, BJ Eret, took Constantine under their wing, and they would let these players come sleep, you know, in their on their first floor in their basement when they were homesick and let them stay with them over Christmas or go shopping with them to send gifts back home to wherever they were from. Um, there's even a former Fork Union player named Charles Rogers who played at Virginia Tech who ended up, he died of cancer, and he spent the last three months of his life living with them at their home. And the relationships with those former players just were sustained. And when there was a need, whether during their time at Fork Union or many years later, they just, it was like family. And they he has continued to love his players with that kind of depth. And, and many of them, were young men who didn't have a father figure. And so I cannot tell you the number of times that they would say, you know, he was that father figure to me and remained so throughout the years. Last thing for you, I have about a minute. What would you like to add about the book or about your availability or its availability uh, that I have not asked you about yet? Well, I would say um, forkunion.com, you mentioned that. Just click on the alumni tab up at the top and all the information is there. 
Um, you'll find it quickly. It's not on Amazon yet, um, but one thing that's important to mention is that two former players really underwrote this book, all the expenses, so that all of the proceeds can go to a scholarship fund in Coach Eric's name at Fork Union. So it's a really good cause. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to see a lot of his former players and other friends in the coaching industry show up this weekend to support him and support the project. And the final thing I'll say is there are many people, some of those big-name coaches I named among them, who really think Fletcher Eric needs to be in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. But he's a lesser-known name, um, you know, kind of in the Morgan Wooten vein, yep. but even maybe lesser-known than that. But they believe that his credentials and his resume speaks for itself, and he should be considered. And hopefully the book and an upcoming documentary that's being made about him will help that cause. Bethany Bradshaw, congratulations on another job well done. Happy holidays to you and yours from the David Thank Glenn you. Show. Thanks so much. Merry Christmas. I appreciate it. You got it. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the Special thanks to Tim Brando, Bethany Bradshaw as our guests. Also a lot of creative holiday gift ideas with your phone calls. They don't all fit into a stocking. But lawyers for NC State, three-point shooters for Roy Williams, a healthy foot for Cam Newton, a new job for Ron Rivera. Well done and kind-hearted intentions along the way. I respect that. TV picks tonight are good but not great. Got to wait one more night for football. You do have the Hornets visiting the Nets and other NBA action. You do have Kawhi Leonard's return to Toronto as a member of the Clippers as they face the Raptors and get their championship rings. And remember, Thursday golf in Australia means President's Cup action tonight, our time on the Golf Channel. Enjoy the games. We'll see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.